Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Good right? Amen. Great job, worship team. Great job. Uh, man, it's been a great week. And for some of you that may not know, um, this past weekend, we had a couples retreat. It's something that we've done um, the last couple years. And so you can kind of see a little bit of that in the slide. But it was awesome to be able to have the opportunity to be able to hear from Pastor Jason, to hear from Pastor Craig at Macedonia, and uh, to hear from one of the pastors over at Seminole, Pastor Kevin. And so, so thankful for that. I just want to say real quickly again, thank you to all the people that helped make it possible. Let's give them a hand this morning, all the folks that, that put in the work. And there's nothing more cool than to be able to worship with other churches, right? It wasn't just Southgate there, but it was Seminole, it was Macedonian. So it was a great time, and I'm just so thankful that I was able to be a part of it. And so this morning, I don't know about you, but in this series, it has really gotten me to think about not just friendship in general, but what kind of a friend am I? You know, it's, it's really got me thinking about, you know, how, how am I to people in my life? And it made me really examine and ask some tough, tough questions. Anybody else in the room do that in the past couple weeks? I know for me, it, it was something that I really wanted to, to really think about because, um, you know, it's one of those things to where I want to be the best friend that I can be because when I think about the friend that God is for me, I want to be able to do my best for them because we need to realize something this morning, okay? Hopefully this isn't new to anybody, but that we need to realize that it's not something that happens by accident. When it comes to our godly friends, when you think this morning about the people in your life, it didn't just happen by accident. And I think C.S. Lewis, he puts it best in, uh, in his book, The Four Loves, and I just want to give a disclaimer here. He's very old English on some of his stuff, but, but please, you'll see it on the back screen here. I want to read what C.S. Lewis says. He says, in friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting. Any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to his disciples, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Can truly say to every group of Christian friends, Ye have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our discriminating in good taste and finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauty of others. And so this morning we have to realize that the Lord knows the people that we need in our lives. Amen? He knows the people that we need in our lives. And not only does God grant us friends in life, but Jesus taught us by example everything that we need to know about friendship. And he offers us the greatest friendship imaginable. And so Jesus says in John chapter 15, verses 13 through 17, he says this, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have chosen you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. So Jesus is very clear here, right? He's very clear on how we should treat our friends and others around us. And this morning, I want to do a quick recap of the series as we close out Close Friends. And so first, week one, we learned about how friends sacrifice, giving of themselves, and about Jesus' invitation to come into a relationship with him. And then last week, Pastor Jason spoke about how real friends stand with you even when the circumstances are tough. And so today, here's our big idea. We honor God in our friendships by putting others before ourselves. Let me read that again. We honor God in our friendships by putting others before ourselves. Now, think about this for a moment. If this was something that maybe I were to post on social media today, I would probably be chastised for making such an outrageous statement, right? Especially living in a world that says that that you need to put yourself first. You need to be first. You need to take care of you in every way, shape, and form. And you and I, I both know that this seems to be the attitude, right? It seems to be whether you're watching commercials on TV, whether you're seeing stuff online, that seems to be the theme. And so I thought I would, I would do a little digging online, and I thought, I want to see like really where people's heads are at when it comes to this. And so I wanted to share with you a few inspirational quotes, a.k.a. the world's edition, to see the problem, okay? So, so here are the top three. Number one. Whenever you feel compelled to put others first at the expense of yourself, you are denying your own reality, your own identity. Number two, sometimes you have to be selfish. If you can't put yourself first, you can't expect anyone else to. And my personal favorite, when you put yourself first, it means you love yourself. And when you love yourself, you love others. I'd like to think that my friends are the opposite of these quotes. And I can tell you this morning that it is. It is definitely that. It's not true. But we must realize that we live in a lost and dying world. So it's not surprising, right? It's not surprising that I, that I found that stuff online that even they, man, they have like, you know, inspirational looking backgrounds in a, in a nice font. It, it makes sense. But you see, that's why it's so important that for us as Christians, that we be a shining light of Jesus everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, especially with how we treat individuals. So as Jesus is the ultimate example, he's our ultimate example of how we're supposed to live. And we know, of course, that this is the truth, right? This is God's truth from cover to cover, his word. And we can learn a lot about genuine friendship by observing the friendships through Scripture. And I'm fascinated, straight up fascinated about um, how there's all these different examples, whether you're in the New Testament, whether you're in the Old Testament. But as you're going through it and looking at this, 
you're seeing all these different things, right? You're seeing maybe people that are doing the right things. Or maybe you're seeing the wrong things. But with that, it helps guide us, doesn't it? It helps guide us. It helps us to know, hey, okay, I shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't have this attitude. I shouldn't have this heart. Because I'm reading about an account of this individual, and man, they really messed it up. And we have to remember that we don't want to fall into those same things. And so today, if you want to look in your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. So if you want to find that in your Bible or on your device, look that up. And we'll be talking about David and Jonathan and the friendship that they had, okay? And so for some in the room, maybe you're familiar with this, this friendship, this relationship, but I just want to break down a few things for you this morning, okay? Because they were very different when it comes to where they came from, okay? So David was a shepherd, and Jonathan was a prince. David was of the tribe of Judah. Jonathan was of the tribe of Benjamin. David grew up in the countryside. Jonathan grew up in a palace. And Jonathan was the oldest son and in line to inherit the throne. And David, he was the youngest of eight boys and anointed the next king in place of Jonathan. You're starting to see, see the problem here, okay? And even though they came from very different backgrounds, as I just talked about, Jonathan and David, they had four key things, okay, that they had in common. Here's the things they had in common. Number one, they were both warriors with major success in battle. If you go back so many chapters, man, it talks about this. They were both men of faith who served the living God. They were provided with God-given courage and strength. But lastly, they needed each other. They needed each other. And first, to, to understand this friendship, we must look at what led to the relationship beginning in chapter 18, you know, you've ever heard somebody says DTR, right? Define the relationship. Well, we're going to kind of set the, set the tone here for, for what's going on. And so I, I had to go all the way back to chapter 8. And here's what's going on, okay? I want to put it into perspective for you this morning. In chapter 8, the elders of Israel are demanding to have a king to rule over them. They go to Samuel. And they say, we want a king. And the reason behind this is because his sons are the current judges. And they're very corrupt. And so the elders think, aha, this is, this is a good idea. This is what we need to have. But with that, when we think about the Israelites, they already had a king, didn't they? The king of kings. But they rejected the Lord, okay? And so it's written in chapter 8, verse 7 here. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you but they have rejected me from being king over them. Now, quick sidebar this morning. You might be thinking, man, these people, like, why in the world would they choose a worldly king when they serve the king of kings? But this isn't a, a new concept, right? I would say that for many of us, we deal with that today. We deal with that today to where we want to we put all of our trust and our hope in whether it's politicians or friends, or whoever it is, when we have the king of kings to go to. And so we have to remember, you know, they're just people, and so we make those same mistakes. But here's what happens. So Samuel does what the Lord commands, and Saul becomes king. He becomes the first king 
And it seems like a good thing, okay? As you, you go into chapter 9, chapter 10, it seems like a good thing. And he, God does some great things through Saul. But then King Saul begins to do his own thing. And instead of heeding the words of Samuel, and he ends up disobeying the Lord. And by chapter 15, man, bad things are happening. Chapter 15, the Lord rejects Saul, and this grieves the prophet greatly. And so the Lord speaks to Samuel and tells him to anoint a new king. And he tells him to go visit Jesse the Bethlehemite. And the Lord declares to Samuel to anoint a shepherd boy. A shepherd boy whose name is David. So now we fast forward to where we're going to read this morning. And so David has just defeated the giant Goliath. Okay? He's just defeated him. And Abner, the commander of the army, brings David to King Saul. And here's the thing. David's still got Goliath's head in hand as he goes to meet the king. And here's what the king asks. Who is your father? Who is your father? And so David answers King Saul. And this is where we pick up now. In 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4, would you read with me this morning? As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Let's pray this morning. God, we, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. And God, I, I thank you this morning for your word. God, just all the wonderful things that we can read about, Father. I just pray that this morning, God, as we go through this study, as we look at these scriptures, Father, that you'll put a, a fire in our heart, God, to want to get into your word more. And so, God, I pray this morning that for those in this room, those watching at home, God, that you would just uh, speak to our hearts this morning, God. Speak through me. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we begin today, our first point is this. We're going to get right to it. A close friend must be selfless. It must be selfless. And to be selfless is really against our nature as people. We want what we want, right? Whether it's food or possessions, our flesh is all about serving self. Yet to be a true friend to someone, you, you can't be all about yourself, right? You can't be all about yourself. And if you do, you'll find that when you're trying to build a relationship with this person, that they're going to just end up distancing themselves and making it practically impossible to grow the relationship. And, and this isn't just advice from me. I know there may be or some in the room that have experienced that. But the Bible is very clear about believers putting others before themselves. Okay, so the Apostle Paul, he writes in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. It'll be on the screen here. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And just like Jesus, we are to put others first, and so it's vital that we be selfless. And Jonathan did just this in his relationship with David. Now let me ask you a question this morning. I want you to think about this. How would you feel if you were entitled to something and it was given to somebody else? Ponder that for a moment. How would you feel if you were entitled to something and it was given to somebody else? Would you feel anger, sadness, frustration? Or maybe would you, I don't know, feel noble or even loving? Many of us, including me, would definitely lean towards the first three. But Jonathan doesn't. He doesn't. As Saul's son, he should have been the next in line for the throne, as he had all the qualifications, right? He had all the qualifications. His father's king, check. He had big victories in battle, check. He displayed integrity and showed honor to others, check. Yet here he is giving an 18-year-old shepherd boy his royal robe along with his armor, his sword, and his bow. I mean, come on. I don't even like to share my french fries or my fishing poles, okay? And yet here he is giving his royal robe. He's giving his weapons. And I mean, these are things that, that he was honored with, not just for being a prince, but he was a mighty warrior. As you look in, in the chapters before 18, it talks about how he was victorious in many battles. But yet here he is, completely giving of himself to David. And I guarantee you that David realized the enormity of the gesture from Jonathan. And just to clarify, um, this is way different than when in the, in the chapter before this that, that King Saul gives David the armor. Remember that part of the story of David and Goliath where he tries to give him the armor? It's different, okay? And so Jonathan is doing this to show respect and honor and admiration. This is how we should be with close friends. Always looking out for their best interest and showing honor even when at times it may seem unappreciated. Now, I do want to say this because I, I don't want my words to be misconstrued this morning. Now, this does not apply to a toxic or abusive relationship. If you're, if you're dealing with something like that, that is different, but, but that we do our best to be selfless in our close and, and, and healthy personal relationships. And I don't know about you this morning. Maybe, maybe there's been some names that's already came to your mind of people that have been an awesome friend to you, people that have went above and beyond. I know for me, I've been blessed to have people in my life like Jonathan. And uh, an example of that would be a guy by the name of Mike Hartman. Remember how back in the 90s, everybody wanted to be like Mike? Well, I want to be half the friend to others that Mike Hartman has been to me. I love the guy. 
this man exudes selflessness. He's always had my back. From the time I first met him, um, when I was his minister of music at, at Esther Baptist Church, he has just, he has had my back and been my brother every day. And so I just want to give a few examples of, of some things that he's done for me because it, it's important that I just, I share this because I think as I do, you're going to be thinking about those people that you've had that have went above and beyond. And so here's some things that Mikey did. He drove over 10 hours one way to be a part of my ordination service in Oklahoma back in April of 2013. He drove this little, little junky Honda Civic that he'd never taken further than a couple miles. I talk about faith and God to, to drive that far. But he just he showed up. He showed up, and he, he, he wanted to be there. He, along with my buddy Scott Haggerty, showed up at a moment's notice um, to help me gut the basement of our house that had flooded at that time. That's actually where that picture's from. Uh, he surprised me on my very first Sunday here at Southgate. He and his family were sitting right back there at the back row. He didn't tell me. I get up to lead worship, and I look up, and I don't know anybody, and then I see that face, that grin. He was there, okay? He gifted me this Bible that I have this morning. And let me tell you, every time I've ever preached or done a funeral, this is the Bible that I've used. And the wildest thing that he ever did, okay, and this kind of this tells a little bit about his generosity, is that he bought me a brand new riding lawnmower, which he had delivered to my house, all because he heard I was looking at buying a junky used one. Somehow he heard something through the grapevine, and he didn't bother to tell me. And so me with the Sears delivery guy argued for like 30 minutes. I'm like, listen, there's a problem. I did not buy this. Like, I, you're not sticking me with this, you know. And then I'm looking at the paperwork, and then finally there's his name, Mike Hartman. And I thought, oh, he loved me, and I'm thankful. And so Mike is the epitome of a close friend, and I'm thankful for God putting him in my life and for loving me. Friends must be selfless. And number two, a close friend will sacrifice. A close friend will sacrifice. To sacrifice is to surrender or give up oneself for the sake of something or someone else. Pastor Jason spoke at great lengths on this last week. Many of us in the room this morning We've been there a time or two, right, where we've, where we've sacrificed maybe, maybe for a spouse, maybe for one of our kids or a family member or a best friend. And in each instance, it is done out of love for the individual, right? It's not to get something out of it. And so a great example of sacrifice, as we think about that word, a great example today is what the brave men and women do in the United States military, right? They're people that know how to sacrifice. And as the father of an airman... I have seen and felt the sacrifice firsthand. They put their lives on the line for us to have freedom here in America. They miss a large amount of time with their family, along with long, hard seasons being deployed or stationed overseas. It's a big sacrifice, and so I'm currently thankful for our brave men and women who have served and who are currently serving in the United States military. Another group that maybe we don't think about all the time, but we should 
Another group of people that sacrificed greatly would be our missionaries, foreign and domestic. They put their plans and they put their dreams on hold to reach the lost all over the world while giving up the comforts of home, right? Think about it. Man, we gripe if it takes too long in the drive-thru at McDonald's. You know, we, we, we might complain about, oh, the traffic was bad at 5 o'clock here in Springfield. But yet we have missionaries, depending on where they're at, that don't even have running water in their home. Maybe they got dirt floors, or maybe they don't have a way to travel other than walk. But yet I guarantee if you talk to any of these folks, they wouldn't trade it for anything because they're gladly doing it to serve Christ to reach the lost. They sacrifice. And so those are just a few examples of what sacrifice looked like. And so Jonathan, as we get back to our story this morning, Jonathan sacrificed his place at the table despite what he could have been entitled to. And at times was even an advocate pleading with King Saul to spare David. So in the beginning of chapter 19, Jonathan warned David of Saul's plan to kill him. Now think about this. The prince, the prince goes to David to warn him about the king's plan. Now I don't know about you, but I would think at that day and time, that could have cost him his life. But he took the chance anyways. Thank God he was successful. And as we dig a little deeper, it's not surprising that Jonathan was the main player in the relationship, right? Because in the beginning, think about it. He was the son of a king. He was the one with the power in the relationship. But it is a power that he used for the good of his friend. For the good of his friend. And really, it cost himself. Because every time, every single time he kept David safe or promoted his interests, he was destroying his own chances of inheriting his father's throne. Jonathan's friendship with David was at the cost of his own career and reputation. This kind of sacrifice and love is exactly as the Bible instructs us in John chapter 15, verse 13, where it says this, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. A close friend will sacrifice. And finally this morning, number three, a close friend has unconditional love. Unconditional love. Obviously, love's important, just as I spoke about a few weeks back. It's key in so many areas, but, but let's look again at verse 1 in chapter 18. Let's look at what it says here. Follow with me. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. The NLT says it like this. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved when it comes to close friends, they know us at our best and at our worst, don't they? They know we're not perfect and a mess, and yet love us through it. And I'm so thankful for this because, listen, I know I'm a mess. I'm a hot mess sometimes. I get it. And that unconditional love at different points has impacted me in ways that I can't express. And so normally this kind of relationship begins where? Where does it begin normally? A lot of times it will begin with our parents, right? Moms and dads in the room. Man, your kids sometimes, they can straight up be a terror, right? They can do some silly things, but you still love them. You still love them. 
I guarantee you for the moms in the room that have a lot of years under their belt, even though their kids are grown adults, even though they might do some dumb things, you still love them, don't you? You love them no matter what. And so this is normal. That's usually where it starts with our parents, and then we'll move to a relationship, maybe with a best friend, and to then for some, maybe a significant other. And this idea makes sense because Christ has commanded us to love others as he loves us. John 13, 34 says this, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Jonathan's love for David went on as we read further in the text, okay? So if you would, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 20. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 12. Because I want Samuel chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 12. Because I want you to read along with me, and you all have different translations probably, so it'll be cool for you to kind of see what it says. But here David is wanting to make a covenant with Jonathan, and as we read... In 1 Samuel 20, 12 through 17, it is Jonathan taking an oath to always be honest with David. Okay, especially after this, this meeting, this meal he's supposed to have with King Saul. And him asking for David to protect his family, no matter the outcome. Okay, but, but let's read together Jonathan's response. Okay, in verse 12 of chapter 20. And Jonathan said to David, the Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed towards David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan. And more also, if I do not disclose it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father, if I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die and do not cut off your steadfast love from my father's house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth and Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. So no matter the outcome, these two kept their oath. And in 2 Samuel chapter 9, so we're talking years later, David ju does just what his beloved friend had asked him. Although Jonathan has passed away at this point, David took in and cared for Mephibosheth. Say that three times fast. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was, was Jonathan's crippled son who would eat at the king's table the rest of his life. It's an incredible story. I, I encourage you, it's actually in the bulletin, um, to go back and to read this story. And this is an incredible testimony of friendship as these men were selfless, sacrificed, and showed each other unconditional love. And this morning, I want you to know that Jesus is an even greater friend. Amen? Amen. He is the ultimate example of being selfless, has sacrificed and shown unconditional love as he gave up his life to save us. And because of that sacrifice, we are here today worshiping the one who loved us first and is waiting for us to accept that free gift of salvation. 
in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. And I, and I want you to hear this this morning for anybody in the room that maybe you don't feel like you're good enough. Maybe you feel like you're unlovable. I want you to hear the words this morning, okay? So let's start in verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, who then is the one who condemns. No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for the sake we face death all day long, we are considered as sheep to the slaughter. But hear this, verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. He loves you. Hear me this morning. He loves you with that unconditional love. And he wants that relationship with you today. So as the worship team makes their way up, if you'd bow your heads this morning. Maybe you feel like you've never had a true close friend. Or maybe you've been hurt by someone you thought was a close friend. Or maybe you haven't been the friend you could and should be. Well, let me encourage you as today is a new day. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. And I want to encourage you this morning to look for that quality in friends. Choose friends who help you find strength in God. Be someone who helps others find strength in God. Love pushes us to be better. And true friendship will push you I want to encourage you this morning with heads bowed. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you today to accept that free gift of salvation. And it's this easy. Hear me this morning. You just have to go to him and say, Lord, I messed up. God, I want you to forgive me of my sins. Father, I want you to come into my heart and I want you to be Lord of my life. It's that simple. We ask him to come in. And maybe this morning, maybe you're going through a tough time. I want to encourage you to take it to God this morning. Maybe you've got that friendship that's, that's maybe not so great. Maybe you're the first person that gets it going. But this morning, I encourage you to bring it to this altar. I'm going to be up here. Pastor Jason's up on the front as well. We'd love to pray with you. 
So let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, for what you've done for us. God, I just I pray this morning for those in this room that, that don't know you. God, that today would be the day. God, that they would give it to you. Lord, I pray for those that maybe they've got that friend and it's hard. But God, I pray that you give them strength this morning. You give them wisdom. God, that maybe if they haven't been that friend to steer their loved one to Jesus, that they'll do that starting today. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. So let's stand this morning and don't hold back as we sing. Take it to him.